What's up? Welcome to Tide Sessions, a podcast about water sports. I'm Mike and this is Mel. We're both super passionate about the water and together we co-founded a kite surfing school called Tide Water Sports. On this podcast, we're going to be chatting to athletes, founders and other rad people who also love being in, on or under the water. We hope you enjoy these conversations as much as we did. In today's episode, we chat with Zendi Levu, a magical freediver from South Africa. Zendi recently directed her first film called The Black Mermaid, which highlights her freediving story as well as an amazing sardine run in South Africa. We chat to Zendi about her love of the ocean, how she found freediving, and what her favorite underwater encounters are. We also talk about the amazing work she's doing with the Black Mermaid Foundation. We really loved catching up with her, so enjoy! Hello, 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 hello. Can you hear me? Yeah. We can. Oh. Yeah, thanks thanks for coming on and chatting to us, Dad. I really appreciate it. I'm so glad we could make it work because I think we missed each other like twice or like three times. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're really excited to speak to you. But I guess we could start from the beginning before we even talk about The Black Mermaid. It's more what really amazed me um, researching you and looking at what you've done so far is that you only actually put your head underwater quite late in life. Like, what? what how old were you? Well, tell us that story, because that's amazing. <laughs> so I end up in Bali in 2016, and I'm just going through the most. And I get to Bali, spend the whole of the first week, like, surfing. And then the following week, I end up in Gili Chawangan. And I hear this guy saying, snorkel trip, snorkel trip. And I had never ever been snorkeling in my life and I think it's important to say I didn't grow up anywhere around the ocean I grew up in Soweto a landlocked area about six hours from the nearest beach and so the ocean is not a normal place for me it is not like a home space and I think I'd only learned to surf like a month before from like an hour's lesson it was actually insane And I just remember jumping into the water and I don't even know how I don't gash my head open. But just witnessing the life that lives under there, I just had a moment of finding a home, but ultimately being in awe of the life that lives under there and how it just spoke to all the things that I've always believed, right? Everything underwater looks crazy and weird and not normal. And there it was. And it was just the most perfect place. And everybody lives together. It's the most incredible world. I love it. <laughs> I fell in love and I haven't looked back. Nice. Yeah, it is, it is a different world, isn't it? When you can first go underwater like that. Especially in Bali. It must have been like a, a really sort of lush sort of underwater environment as well. It was incredible. Um, like I always think back to the colorful fish that I saw. And a little bit later, this honeycomb moray just comes through. And the bottom of the ocean floor is still the most vivid memory ever. Um, it looked like the, the bottom of the ocean was just lit up from beneath. It was like these cracks, but it's obviously how the sun was hitting the bottom of the reef. Yeah. It was, to this day, I still get like... A little freak out at how beautiful it was and every single time when I'm in the water it just keeps on giving straight into that world that you could never imagine as possible. Well one of the stories that you say about uh, when you first discovered like free diving you thought it was some sort of witchcraft it really makes me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> but then you researched it that's hilarious. Let me tell you I thought what daylight witchery and to this day the word is daylight witchery because these girls are like, you know, so after the snorkel trip, I ask everybody, I'm like, what, what do people do after snorkeling? And everyone says, scuba, scuba. So I go into like this wild scuba world. And it's incredible, right? And it just feels like, you know, you're on this tourist bus and someone's like to the left, to the right, you know, so yeah. to the right is your turtle, to the left is a great white shark. This is amazing. But it never felt like, those few seconds while I was in Bali and I held my breath and I got this incredible feeling of home, like this incredible feeling of belonging ultimately. And in 2018, I'm watching Instagram and here are these girls and they are diving right there at the bottom of the ocean. 
and there's this no, there's this um, motivational music in the background, and now I know that it's Alan Watts, and so it's like, can you imagine? And they are like, I'm thinking, what witchery? What's going on here? Where are they? Tanks? How are they breathing? What is going on? And I actually had to Google it. I was I was shook. I was like, I want this. And um, so I type into Google, diving, no air, no tanks. And Google is like, calm down, it's free diving. It's not witchery. <laughs> oh, that's, that's amazing. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so what did you do next then? It, it was amazing. Where did you go then um, when you discovered that? I, no, I had to. Now I knew that it was free diving. And obviously I'll go back to Instagram and I look for more of it. And I just, I'm like, wait, what's going on here? Then I look up companies that are offering freediving because I must know this world. Um, first, I find this company here in Cape Town. And, and it was just to see, like, could I live in the world? And it was amazing, but it was also freaky. It didn't, I'm not sure, but it was, it was lovely. The following year, June. Um, a friend of mine goes on a course and they're going to become a bigger scuba diver human. So like, I don't know, like director and scuba, something wild like that. And I say, oh, I'm going to come with, you know, I love Sudwana Bay. I want to go diving. And on this trip, I come across at the time, the only free diving instructor trainer from Paddy. So I was already a Paddy diver and I come across this human and I think, no ways that he is here and I'm here at the same time. And naturally I said, I have to sign up. I want to be a part of this. And then I call my business partner and I say, listen, I'm not coming back to work. I know I said I only needed two weeks, but I'm going to be gone for another two weeks. And he's just like, Zandi, this is crazy. And I'm like, buddy, I just need you to wait. I need this. I need to see what's going on in this world. And just from my first day in the pool already holding my breath was like this, this deeper peace. And we go out to the sea and it's wild and it's crazy. And I dive in just for a little bit. And there's that feeling, that feeling of home, that feeling of belonging, that, that insane world. And my life has just changed in that moment. And I go on to dive. So we do more and more dives. At the end of this course, I don't qualify as an instructor. So it was one of those like zero to hero, which, which was wild because I don't know if I could be anybody's hero, not knowing like all of that, that oceanic world. I was still a baby to it. And it took me seven months to qualify as a freediving instructor. So from that course, I could only get to 23 meters. It was amazing. It was insane. It was incredible. And I had this big breath hold, but there was still so much fear that I had to touch in my own body, uh, all the stories that I grew up with. And I could just feel that fear every single time I got to 23 meters, whether I had the computer on, whether I didn't have the computer at 23 meters, my body would just freeze. And, and I think it was just that ultimate fear. And little did I know that I would have to do that work for quite a while before I would access the beauty of the free fall and the beauty of the deeper depths, I guess. So what were the fears that you were encountering as you were getting down to those to those levels? It's interesting because one, it was the stories that we grew up with, right? What lives at the bottom of the ocean? There's this big snake that takes people. There's there's, it's an ancestral place. The bottom of the ocean is an ancestral place. And all of a sudden, it's these stories, but also it's the fear of drowning. It's the fear of losing your life in these depths. You know, when you think of freediving, you only have one breath. In the absence of this breath is swallowing an entire ocean. There is no fail safe. Um and I think there was there was lots of fear around that as well. Um, what happens if anything happens while I'm out here? How do I explain to my family? How does anybody explain what I was doing to my family? Um, 
you know, from that first snorkel trip, as we got further and further from land, was a moment that says, if anything goes wrong here, how does anyone explain to my family? And what was I even doing here? Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's those worlds where you're just thinking, everyone knows that I'm crazy, but no one wants to be holding my body up to my family in a thing that I've never even explained to them. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's wild fears. Um, and so for me, when I got back to Joburg and I had to learn to get deeper and deeper while touching my own fears, I had to take off my dive computer, right? All of a sudden, not everything is about the measure. Not everything is about how strong a breath hold I have. Not everything is about how strong a diver I have. The ocean kind of held up to me the question that said, how dare you show up from wherever it is that you come from and you want to tell me that you want 32 meters? Like, do you know what 32 meters is? Like, go figure yourself out. And and I'm so glad that moment happened because from there was a learning, uh, a learning of the water, a learning of myself, a learning to be in discomfort and be able to hold it in peace um, and to just touch all the fears I've ever known. And that was probably the most incredible seven months of my life. Um, ultimately, where I finally found my bend with the water, I was not afraid and I could be truthful and the journey was mine. It had no attachment to anybody or anything else. It was actually just incredible. And from that moment on, to be able to enjoy a free fall was the expansion in ways that I never thought possible. And I think had I qualified in that two weeks, I don't think I would know her as intimately as I know her now. Uh, so it's interesting. It's a wild, wild world. <laughs> so do you think that it really helped you mentally as well to sort of come past those fears and, and to get down to those depths and sort of really sort of become one with the water as well? 100%. It, it, it really just, and it opened up the world of release, right? We're often so attached to the end. You know, I want to get to 32 meters. I want to become this. I, you're so attached to the end and to mentally find a place where you're able to be present and the present is all there is, is a powerful finding. Um, but also just understanding the full currency of truth. It's 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 a finding like no other. For sure. Like for me, I think for free diving, it's it's really sort of a, a meditative sort of state that you have to sort of become into to sort of, you know, let everything sort of pass by you and just sort of really calm your body down as much as possible. And like, yeah, that's that's one thing I love about free diving is is amazing for that for sure. And getting closer to things, you know, that's, mm -hmm. I think for me, that's one of the good things because you're not blowing bubbles everywhere with a scuba tank on. You can sort of, you know, fish actually come closer to you and you, and you can sort of become in the moment and a part of the surroundings, which is another really cool thing. So what, what sort of uh, encounters have you had with uh, any animals as you're, as you're free diving? I'm so with you in like the world of getting closer to everything, but also watching your own excitement, right? Um, so I've had some incredible encounters. Um, I mean, if I had to say, I have to like do a top three because there's, there's no one that is like mind blowing more than any other one, but um, humpback whale mom and cow. It was wow. just the most incredible thing because I I never thought that that's something that anybody could actually like see. You know, Instagram sells us so many worlds. And what does it mean for me to be able to see something like that? I got out of the water and I started crying. Um, it was so emotional. Uh, so that's one. Two, sharks. Um, I want to say bull sharks because bull sharks are, they're braver than most sharks, right? Um they kind of like many people call them Zambezi sharks. So they kind of look you up and down and you have to hold your breath while knowing that they're getting closer and closer just to suss you out. And you can't break in the sussing out of each other. 
um, I, found, I found that absolutely incredible, but also seeing my first ever great white shark on breath hold and just holding this camera and thinking, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. And um, I, I hope I'm allowed to serve it. I was freaking out for the first time. I could feel my, uh, my, I could feel my heart in my throat. I was so afraid. It was crazy. Um, and probably dolphin encounters, right? Like just to witness their intelligence and how they are just so in tune. Um, so the minute you start making sounds towards them, they kind of come back and they're like, Hey, Hey, you know something. And you're like, I do. And, uh, and they just play and you, you know, you're all just swimming up to the top and you get out the water and you come back down and everyone's giggling and it's wild and it's crazy. And it's just the connectedness of, of life, right? You know, humans kind of have this thing that like human, human, but life recognizes life regardless of what you see um, under there or in the world, in the drier land. <laughs> that sounds so inspiring. And when so you've probably you've traveled a lot right to free dive now and is there a place that really resonated with you that you really love to free dive in oh oh egypt egypt was incredible the water's warm there's light for forever um and the corals are the coral life is insane like you're diving, it's like they've got these walls, right? So in many worlds, the coral's like at the bottom of the ocean, but like Egypt has these walls that are just endlessly coming down with the most beautiful coral you could ever imagine. And it's warm for forever. Like there's no in-between thermal plan where you're like, whoop, 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 two degrees, you know. I have, I have, um, I mean, I wasn't free diving back then, but I snorkeled in Egypt and it was really pretty. And I remember they were sh like, not sharks. I'm obsessed with sharks. Zendi, you need to know this. But um, <laughs> they were dolphins. And I remember because we're on a boat and we stopped somewhere and we knew there were dolphins around. So we all went in and we kind of waited there. But I remember there was loads of, there's a few babies. And I think the moms were not very keen in coming to play because the babies were there. So we just saw them kind of, they were quite, they were not coming in close. But it was still really cool. I mean, I remember thinking it was a beautiful place underwater. It's so like, as you say that, like I just had, I just had a, a memory. So one to maybe talk to that, isn't it incredible? So dolphins will always do that. Um, when you see the mom, the mom, the babies, they won't stop. Like you just see this insane pod and you see the little ones and everybody's like, hey, what's up? You know, hey, what's up? And they just keep on going. And you know, I've had such incredible encounters that the, the boys will come back. So it almost feels like it's like the safe passage of the mom and babies. And then they come back and they're like, show us what you got, show us what you got. And there's like a little bit of play and then they go. But in Egypt, um, we had the sunset moment and it was crazy. We see the dolphins and as we get into the water, they leave, right? And so we have this thing of like, you don't chase, you don't chase. If they don't want to play, they don't want to play. We get back on the boat on the bigger boat so that there was a yacht and you get on the smaller boat and you go out to go play later on uh the captain comes back to me and he says shakira shakira you want to see dolphins you want to see dolphins he called me shakira it is hilarious and uh, i say yes and we get on to the little boat and we go and all of a sudden i don't know how to explain it but the captain had a connection with the dolphins and he said, wait, wait, wait. And then he says, now. And they stayed. I don't know how to explain it. It felt like there was a different energy. I don't know how to explain it, but water spaces for me just remain the most incredible observations of, of connection that just deepens with time. For sure. What's your deepest connection that you've had with uh, an animal out in the water? Oh, I think aside from bottlenose dolphins, I would say round ribbon tail rays. I love them so much. I don't know how to explain it. They just, I think it's the way they, it's the way they move in the water. Cause I don't know if we can call it swimming, 
because it feels like this alien disc that's like coming in your direction and they just have these eyes that are deep and dark and weird um but one of my most incredible encounters so we know that they've got this venomous tail right and so generally you give them space but I, again going back to the connection there was this one feeling like that I could get closer you know and I know we always talk about how you don't touch marine life and we always say this and I believe in it but in this moment there was a moment and and normally when you get closer to a stingray it will come up cause a little bit of a crazy sandstorm and then out like just disappear and it just lay there right so I come and I lay next to it and you just see the eye move and check you out and you just lay there and I put my hand out and I put it just under the surface of its like massive disc right and it just lay there and I just lay there it was insane yeah, that's it for me. Nice. Love it. And we remember as well, we really loved in, in something we watched you in where you talked about the bus energy of tiger sharks. And we thought we need to ask her what she means. What do you mean? This is amazing. Tell us about this. Uh, tiger sharks are curious, right? Because they hold this, they, they come across as, the word is cute. They come across as cute, but they are the furthest. Like, I feel like they hold a, a duality in, I know how to mind my business, but please let me tell you, if I choose different, life can be very different, like right now. They are, they're massive and they're so calculated. Um, you're, you see them in the distance, then they disappear. And then before you know it, they're right there. And I think it's the story of all sharks, right? Sharks let you see them when they let you see them. They, they've long seen you. And by the time you see them is when they let you see them. Um, so I've had two, two or three encounters, but I'll never forget this one. It just watched us from afar, circled us, and then disappeared. Oh, oh we wish it would come closer. You know how humans are, us. Oh, I wish it would come closer. And it did. <laughs> and uh, and you just watch it come up from the bottom of the ocean. And then you know that uh, somebody's boss and you are not boss. Um, but just wild peace. Wild peace as you. And again, one of the reminders was just the sun on its back as it was coming up. It's like glittering through these stripes. Um, yeah. And then you know who's boss, actually. <laughs> Very soon after, you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> but it's incredible. It's incredible to witness. And sharks, for me, are one thing. They know how to mind their own business. But when they're outside of their own business, you will know. <laughs> for sure. T tiger sharks are definitely my favorite shark. I just think they're so beautiful. They really are really cool. It's probably why I've got a tattoo of one on my arm. You have to show us. Oh, wow, that's beautiful. Yeah, my sister's done that. I she, see. My, my sister's beautiful. a tattooist, so she she done that. She's very good. <laughs> you don't have any tattoos, do you, Zendi? Or do you? No. Incredible. I've got, I've got quite a few. I've got quite oh, a do? few. Nice. And interestingly enough, when I had my first great white shark encounter, I wanted to tattoo it, and I wanted to tattoo it like on my lungs. Um, and I don't know. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> what, of the great white or of the tattoo? Both. Probably of the tattoo, just because of where I wanted it, right? Um, because, you know, like just below your sternum, mm -hmm. like I wanted like one that kind of like it's like it's coming up and I just thought it would be so incredible, but I'm also maybe just chicken, small chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, okay. So I really wanted to talk about the Black Mermaid Foundation, even before we talk about the film, because I feel like the foundation came first. So can you tell us how, from then you, you know, being a freediving instructor, 
realized I want to create this because we need this. And yeah, tell us, tell us about the foundation. It's amazing, right? So as I qualify as a freediving instructor, we go into COVID. So I've got this shiny certificate. I want to scream to the like to everybody who listened. I was horrible to be around. Let me just tell you that. You know, like those people that don't stop talking about the water. I was one of them. <laughs> um, I think I've become better. But I qualify as a freediving instructor and the world shuts down. And I used to work in human relations, so human resources, industrial relations, diversity and inclusion. Um, and I worked in the power industry, so construction and power industry. And so as COVID comes around, the world pauses, the power station closes down, and and I have a moment to, to reflect with self. So by now, I've been diving for four years or just over four years. And in that time is the realization that often when I've been on the boat, I'm always the only black person as a guest. But aside from this are the small triggers, right? So whether someone says, oh, are you going to dive with all of that hair? And I'm like, I'm the only black person on the boat. All of us have hair. How do you isolate my body as are you going to dive with all of that hair? And it was just, it was, so it's these comments about my hair. It's these, it's this wetsuit that never fits. So I'm always just gaping water through just because the body, the body and the suit are just not vibing together. But there's multiple things that are triggers. There's language um, where someone turns around and they say, oh, don't worry. I'll, I'll translate to you later. We're in South Africa. Like you're kind of like, you know, th that's weird. And so you're kind of always having the secondary citizen experience when it comes to language, but then you're always having your body kind of be the odd one, right? Uh, anyway, so as I become a freediving instructor, like I never wanted to teach scuba. It was never really my vibe. I'm just like, mm, I enjoy the bus trips, but I don't want to really teach anybody. But I knew that we needed diverse representation in the sea. We needed more humans that looked like me because from my journey, I never had people who looked like me. And so it was continuously, you know, figuring it out by yourself, for yourself. What does it look like? What does it mean to have a space that is diverse, that, that there isn't a narrative that says, why do you do white people things, right? So I had two worlds. One world says, oh, Zandi is black, but like, she's not black, black. And then on the other side, it's like, no, 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 she's not black enough, right? So there's these two worlds that are just like, why do you do white people things? But of course you do white people things. And I'm like, no, 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 there's no white people things in the ocean. The ocean is for everybody. Let's stop with the craziness. And But how would I start the change? My friends are afraid of the ocean space. Nobody's trying to go there. Everyone's like, you went how deep? For what? For who? You know, so the to try and move this thing is difficult. But then I realized that I could work with kids. Kids are the future. Kids are the place where if we want to change narratives, we can change narratives with them. We can change futures with them. And, and I knew that's where I wanted to start. One, because we get the stories that we believe around the ocean from a very young age. By the time you see the sea, there's a, it's, it's formed in your head. Those waves are dangerous. There's a snake that lives past these, um, this space. And even if you had to go past these waves, that's not a place that we need to be. We can't be there, right? That's the initial narrative in your life. And so what would it mean if I worked with these, with these younger humans to change the narrative, allow them to explore the ocean, find home for themselves in a way that allows them to connect for themselves and create home in the ocean? Something like I found. And even if the ocean ends up not necessarily being their vibe, it would be a place, a coin that lives in their body of a knowing of a world where there was no fear, right? Um, and maybe it changes something. Maybe it changes how we engage with the ocean in our December encounters or other times. Maybe when someone sees marine biology as a subject choice, they aren't afraid. Maybe 
it's just the whole idea for me was just possibility. Um, and so I started, uh, I, I found this community, Langa, and they had a community advice office. Again, I wanted the foundation to live at community level. Growing up in Soweto, we were always too far. So no one came for us. You know, we were over an hour away from everything that was in suburbia. And so I wanted to go far out. I didn't want to have a radius because the radius would continue the level that says who has access to the ocean. So in Langa, the kids are about 50 minutes away and I go and I fetch them and we come back and we come and play. Um, and I, I think it's probably just been my, my heart's work when you see the kids from when I fetch them to them seeing the bigger houses, from them saying, you know, I can't wait. I'm not going to sleep because I want to remember the way to get here. It's 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 a, it's multitudes of levels of how the kids grow in just this one trip, um, moving from where they live to the suburb that you know is removed from the everyday to accessing an ocean, seeing nobody that looks like them. But here we are. We go and we explore. And just hoping that it would create change. And, you know, for me, it's a multiple of things. But when you find that connection, you'll protect the ocean. When you find that connection, you'll start telling different stories. You know, when they go back home, when someone's like, this is what lives in the ocean. And they say, no, but I've been there. I've been there. That's not true. Um, I saw the shark for myself. And that's not true. Um, I think it's the most incredible possibility of what will come in time. So I was wondering, like, why do you think these stories are so, I mean, it's not even negative, but because in, in The Black Moment, the film, your grandmother says that, and I love these bits, actually, it was so nice getting to hear her talk about this. She says that also we need to take care of the water, that the water is healing and, you know, it's important. So it's interesting because in the one hand, it's like, the water is dangerous and there's a snake, but then it's also important to preserve it. Why do you think it's so, yeah, like, where did these stories come from? I mean, maybe that's a, I don't know, I think quite old stories. Yeah, um, I think the stories come from the need to protect children, right? So the snake lives in the water, protects the kids from drowning. It makes the kids not explore into this world that, they don't know, number one, but number two, no one can save a kid that's drowning in a community that is unable to swim. And so there's this narrative that has moved through time, has become factual. And again, I, I always say I'm not looking to debunk any kind of story. I haven't I haven't seen a super massive snake that's eaten it. I haven't seen it. And so I can't comment on it, but I do know that it's a safety aspect. Like I spoke to an old lady once and I said, why do the stories live? And she said, we need to keep our children safe. And when you think of the drownings that we come across here in South Africa, it is insane. And so it makes sense that the stories exist, right? Because when that little body gets lost in crashing waves, and no one can help. And that body disappears. It's it's hard to, to, to reconcile for yourself. And so I think it's a story of fear and inability to understand those tides, that, that, that movement of the ocean. You know, whether it's a rip that's also happening where you see someone just go. You There's no words. There's no explanation for that. Um, and so I think it's a safety, a protection thing except it has begun to live as a real and physical fear. Um, and so it's hard to change that narrative, which is why we also need to encourage more swim training as a basic, as a basic human right, right? Because it, it, that's probably often the line between the haves and have nots, the access to these spaces, the access to the knowledge and ability to meaningfully engage you know it's 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 a, it's a cost factor and then when you look at water i'm i'm so uh invested in this because 
often rural communities and communities that come from vulnerable spaces might not see the ocean, but there's often rivers and streams of water that runs in these communities. Um, but often there's a disconnect to how these rivers connect to ocean. And so when you see litter and pollution in the rivers, no one connects that this is a freshwater system that will run into the ocean, that comes back as rain, comes back as water for us. There's no connection to it. Um, and so listening to my grandmother tell her story was important, right? And I mean, she said so many things in that film. To cut it down to only like eight minutes was a hard, like it was, it was hard. Um, but she speaks of the sacredness of water, how water gives us life, regardless of who you are, life, human life or animal life. We are all sustained by this one body of water, but we don't know how to protect it because we have also become savages in ourselves. She is just like, she is just so wild and, and wise and incredible. And, and so there's a disconnect. We live in a world that has become so linked to you open a tap that's where the water comes from there isn't a deeper knowing not with our food not with our water not with anything we are we consume and that consumption is again a place where we can open up multiple discussions right some people are just trying to survive other people have the opportunity and time to pause and say where does it come from but also in many rural communities theirs is directly from source so there's just multiple narratives. Um, it's it's intersectional. It's a big discussion. It's complex. It's hard. Well, it's amazing that you're doing that for those kids as well, mm. and like giving them their their experience and, and helping to change the narrative. And yeah, for me, I guess it's just uh, an educational thing as well. It's like teaching them a way, the way about the water, and like the water mm. has so many different moods and different sort of ways about it. It's just you know get, getting yeah. those getting that sort of narrative across to them. And like you said, teaching them how to swim is a massive thing. You know, a lot of people take that for granted, especially where we live and stuff like that, having like the ocean around us and swimming pools everywhere. Um, a lot of people take swimming for granted for sure. But yeah, definitely, definitely a great place to start. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's incredible because like the kids are afraid, the kids are afraid of the kelp, right? But I think a lot of people are afraid of the kelp as well. And there's just so many moments for me that grow me. And it's interesting because I always feel like sometimes when I look at the little kids, I see little Zandi. There's all of these fears. And, and to like watch the kids, like hold your hand so hard. Like they won't touch the, they won't hold the boy. They want to like, they'll hold your hand. They're like, I don't, you know, it's that fear. And then you kind of play a few games and before you know it, they look underneath and they look underneath and someone sees a starfish and I start crying or someone sees a fish and they jump on the boy because they're like, there's the fish bite. Um, and then we like have to swim up to the kelp and everyone has to touch the kelp. Right. And so everyone sees that the kelp's not alive and oh, I really have the most incredible life and get to witness the most incredible worlds uh, of human spirit um, from fear to to connection and all the wild possibilities from there so that's one of the coolest things about cape town for me i guess is the amount of kelp forests and sort of stuff like that underwater and the seals yeah we, so we actually we, we lived there for like uh six months but yeah. we didn't we didn't really go free diving in the kelp forest because we were mainly kite surfing and stuff like that but now that's one of my biggest regrets from spending time there is not actually free diving more and spending more time in those areas because it's just so amazing. It really is a cool environment. It's Cape Town is a trick, right? Like I have days and I'm like, Cape Town, stop it. Cape Town, stop it. You cannot like be like this, like the mountains and then the oceans. And then you see like Cape Town is a lot, guys. It is overwhelming in its beauty, in its fame boss, whether you're on land or in the water. You're just always accessing just the most incredible heart of nature. You know, even in kite surfing, like I watch kite surfers and I'm like, oh my word, these humans are crazy. And then they like fly off the water and then they land again. You're just like, wow, these humans are crazy. But I think we all just have our own levels of crazy, right? But 
That's how we touch the the unnameable. Like, I don't know how you would feel coming off the water and then back down. And you're, you're, it's like two forces. It's the unnameable. It's feelings that you could never explain to another human. They'd have to feel it for themselves. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It is is a bit of a weird sensation, but you you get used to it. I do feel like there's something magical about free diving and being underwater. And you know what you said, like, it's the same for me. Like I, part of my family comes from Corsica, which is an island in the Mediterranean. And it's really nice to free dive there because it's warm and it's, it's really pretty. And it used to be nicer, like the, when I was a kid and used to like, you know, free dive a little bit, although I didn't put a name to it. I was just a kid, like going underwater and looking at everything. It was way richer than it is now. It's a bit sad. Like it's, you know, it's gone a bit, um, it's just, you know, um, but I think there's something about holding your breath and it makes you so present and going underwater, which you don't have in kite surfing. It's just so, yeah, it's, I don't well, think free diving course, is crazy. Yeah. There's not, it's not adrenaline driven. Like uh, I think we love, we love it. We're very, you know, we love anything kind of adrenaline filled, but we also love the, the magic and the breath and the, the softness of being underwater, you know. But you should try kite surfing if you ever again, because you said you surf a little bit as well. So you could give it a try. <laughs> oh, my word. I'd probably like be screaming in the air. <laughs> oh, we're screaming. I'm screaming. Don't we're worry. All it's screaming, fine. We're all screaming in the air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about your first surfing session, Zandy. How did that go? <laughs> uh, it was fun. It was in a place called Nizna with this human like this older human and um it it was it was a what, what was amazing is that i actually stood so the lesson was like a two-hour lesson and i didn't think that i'd be able to stand and i stood three times and i freaked out and i think i'm still the same now when i surf and i like stand like three times i'm like oh my word it's insane um so i'm not like fantastic at it uh but it gives me joy in ways that are different and I think it always I find the water incredible in that in whichever way you encounter her she is different when you're spearfishing she's different when you are scuba diving she's different when you're free diving she's different when you're surfing and you are physically riding water tell me tell me you don't know it tell me you know a crazier thing I was riding water on this like board what come on and so it's just um it's a wild world that I absolutely love and I feel like such a baby to it. And I, I love the baby state of my surfing. <laughs> <laughs> so am I, and I'm like three or four years into it. I still, I still feel that same thing when you, when you stand up on the water and you're riding a wave and it's just, just freak out a bit, but I'm actually doing it. <laughs> but I guess that's the same thing with when you try loads of different water sports, you just sort of, become more in tune with the water because you have more like every every different water sport gives you some sort of knowledge about the water that you didn't previously know so the yeah the more things you try the more you learn about it which is really really fun yep and it it makes us like multifaceted right because it just exposes us to her non-one state she is so many things like if you had to put like water humans that uh access the water through different disciplines everyone knows a different face of her so if they had to like explain what they know of the sea it would just be the most incredible um collection of stories that would assume a different being each time but it's the same being how insane yeah it's crazy really crazy it's like even between sort of scuba diving and free diving there's still like so much differences between them even though you're doing the same thing, you're diving underwater. Uh, but there's a, yep. lot of, a lot of different things that you can get from both of them, for sure. Mm-hmm. What, what do you yep. like most about scuba diving? It's the time. It's like you can have endless awe. Like I feel like scuba diving for me is it's very external. It is the appreciation of all things underwater. And there's like, there's like no time. Like... And I say there's no time because free diving is like a two-minute dive and you need to come up and surface. But 
scuba diving gives you time to be in the fullness of really the wild world that the ocean is. Um, whether you're looking at a turtle for five minutes and you have just time to watch how it moves in the water or how it eats in the morning, it really gives you a deeper comprehension of the bigness of the ocean and all the life that is within her. I find freediving to be deeply internal for me. Uh, it's like you're diving into self. Um, and yes, you might see some stuff, but it's so internally driven, whereas scuba is like the physical expansion of all worlds possible seen through your eyes. And, and you can just be there and be in awe. And breathe while you're underwater, which is insane. It is. <laughs> it is. It is. I've, I've only done it once. I've only scuba dived once in Jamaica. And, yeah, for me, it was just like an opening of a different world. Like you said, it's just, yeah, it's such as like a, a visual thing. And you can just you can just sit there and watch a bit of coral for like 10 minutes. <laughs> for me, that was just awesome, yeah. Yeah, really, really cool. Because I'd never seen anything like that, actually, at that point. Being down at that depth yeah. is yeah really magical experience, but completely yeah. different to freediving because you get to spend so much time. Yeah, and you get to you get to see gobies, right? There's these uh, little fish. They're called gobies, and when you get closer, so they're male and female, and when you get closer, the they so they swim so fast, and so like the female will go poof into like the hole, and and the male will be like half like spa and then it like goes also into the into the hole they're so cute but you can only see them much deeper so scuba really gives you that and as you become calmer you measure your calm by them so if you are able to get close and chill and they both chill that's like a new level of your scuba buoyancy <laughs> holding of self it's such a like a high five <laughs> <laughs> nice love it uh. <laughs> okay and lastly i wanted to talk about again your film that you released that you directed so it was probably was the first time you directed right so tell us about this a little bit and the crazy thing i mean during that sardine run we were looking at going why would you go underwater then we're like no i was like because you can't see sharks in it i'm like there must be sharks right and mike was like yeah, yeah. I was like, look at the whales. Just, I mean, it's amazing. But tell us about this experience, both of directing and obviously diving. I mean, free diving, but diving it. Um, so making the film was crazy, right? Because I wrote the story and I thought that they would reject it. And they came back and they were like, this sounds amazing. We want in. I was like, oh my word. And then I went, I ran. I was like, oh my word, I'm too scared. And, um, and so for me, it was interesting because it was holding up two of my loves, right? Uh, freediving, but also my grandmother. She is such a near and dear part of my heart. And to place her, I don't know, it's like a sacred space. So that was um, a different kind of difficult. But also you're freediving, jumping out the water, and Gareth is like showing me the footage. Is this okay? Do you like, Should we take it differently? It's, it's incredible because I'm freediving and I'm helping to tell a story. And there's all of this wildness that's happening around us. So there's Zandi, the human, who's always just like super excitable. It's actually ridiculous. And then there's Zandi, the director, who's trying to uh, sew together a story. And then later on, we are on land. And here's my heart's love. And I want her to tell the world a little bit more about, you know, how she grew up and how the narratives that live in my body are a mixture of her. And then there's Rob, right? So it was an incredible story for me because I felt like I needed to say very little. There was my grandmother who told a story of stories that live in so many black bodies around the world, not even just South Africa, in the world. And I think that's been part of the feedback. Everyone's like, how do we all have the same story? So the fabric, the connectedness of story. And then there's Rob, Rob who has been diving for over 20 years kind of affirming the world that says who is in the water right and and me just kind of living between the both of them it was really an incredible story to tell and the end you know my grandmother says something and the question of its truth is is open right but I think it for me it landed because everyone always thinks that 
you must be the special one. You're the cold one. You're this. You're no, it must only be for you. But that's not true. So it's 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 so interesting to kind of say her clothes being an opener to say, but it could be all of us. It is all of us, you know. When people talk about the black mermaid, I'm like, you're a black mermaid. You're a, everybody is. It's not a story of one, it's a story of a collective. Um so that was amazing. And uh I'm incredibly proud that the story um landed in the way that it has and I think I'm still trying to fathom the world. The sardine run is crazy. <laughs> I have to tell you, so we shot this one part, right? We wanted a clear shot of no boat, just me, massive ocean, right? Now, this is not the place to do that shot if, if you know, and, and I think there was lots of anxiety because there isn't only just lots of everyday sharks. So there's, in the Eastern Cape, you've got your bull sharks, you've got your dusky sharks, you've got your great white sharks. I am on the surface as a little possibility of food, right? So anyway, long and short is, boat goes away, I'm, I'm, I'm in the water and they get the shot. And when I get back into the water, you know, Rob is like, I'm so uncomfortable with that shot and I don't want us to do it again because, you know, we've seen horrors, horrors. And and so just the question of, you know, safety and, and space. But like for me, it was one of those moments when you realize that the ocean is so, she's an ecosystem and we have to be wise with the things that we do while we're out there. But separate from that is this insane sardine run that everybody has come to eat at. And as humans, we get to witness it underwater, right? So humans are never the food vibe. Like we're not the food vibe. Best of times we're a mistake, right? Um, and so you get to watch everybody eat what they eat. Everybody's here to eat sardines. So sharks are coming up. Dolphins are coming up. Whales are coming up. You know, and it's incredible to actually watch the wild predation, which is sad for the sardines. Um, but it's incredible to witness as like to be human in the water watching wild predation. It's like being in the Serengeti and you're watching the buck run through the river and you're standing like this. Can you imagine? You're standing on the side. This wild like bucks, are, bucks, bucks. A whole herd of buck. I don't know what you call them, but they're all coming past and everybody's just being eaten. It's a mess and you're standing there. It's insane. And the wildest thing of the sardine run is like after like everybody's eaten, there's like this glitter in the water and you're like, oh, wow, that looks magical. No, that's the sign of death. That's the fish scales. It's 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 crazy. It's wild. Poor little sardines. <laughs> they're just getting bombarded by are- everything. Like. They've not got a chance, have they? It is insane. It is actually, and it just reminds you that just, you know, everyone is food to something. Yeah. Uh, and even when we watch these things and we romanticize it, it's still life, right? Um, you know, when you see the sardines, and it's interesting, it just depends on what you're focusing on. When you watch their eyes, the terror, and and we don't, you don't talk about this part, but there's the terror. Like I've got this video where you see, um, it's actually a photo and this one, like, but also fish eyes are just fish eyes, but there is terror and there is, everybody's just trying to preserve their life. They're running, they're hiding between the humans. When the sardines hide between the humans, all the big predators step away. It's actually, it's amazing to watch. And so we need to make sure that we stay out of, nature's circle so like the sardines will come and hide between us and then everything else backs off then you everyone has to immediately get out of the like leave the sardines and so wild thinning wild wild thinning and then you just see everything come back to just predate on these sardines it's crazy it's a wild wild world yeah i wouldn't want to be in the middle of a a bait ball when a when a whale comes from beneath that would get a bit messy. I don't even know what would happen. No, yeah. You... God. No, you don't. And I mean, we saw 
a bride's wail come down like from the bottom. None of us heard it coming. Guys, the ocean is scary. How does like a 15 meter something come from the bottom of the ocean, easily probably half a ton, silently? I Like, I'm sorry, excuse me, what? Anyway, so it comes, like I saw it go down beneath us, but like I thought, oh, that's a very big shark. Wait, why doesn't it end? It felt like a train. Watching it come past me felt like a train. So you see the little fins on the side and you're like, wait, why is it not ending? Felt like a train. This guy makes a turn somewhere, comes back and just through everybody, opens up its mouth, takes the entire vapor, and you just hear dolphins screaming afterwards. Like, I don't know. I, I really do live in a wildly imaginative world. But the, the dolphins were like, I told you guys, I told you guys, everybody get out of the way. And then like, yeah. You must actually feel the post-audio. Hilarious. The team hilarious. This is so amazing. Yeah. You're making us want to um, to go free dive again. I think our dream is the same, is to like free dive near whales, because that's definitely, yeah. I feel like, the pinnacle of of like magic underwater and seeing the whale and being in that element. You could actually do it all. So show up here at like June, July. June is amazing because sardine run is happening, but the water is cold enough to be able to see great white sharks in better viz water so you don't like it doesn't show up and you're like whoa white shark you know you can kind of see it coming from a bit further than whoa white shark <laughs> and um let me see soon after the humpback whales are they've just they are arriving they're giving birth to their pups to their cobs so there's just between like june and september october it's just while witnessing underwater. Amazing. Well, we'll have to go back. And good surf at that time. Some very good yes. surf around that time. Because that's like your summertime, right? Yeah. No. Oh, no, that's no, your winter. Yeah, that's your winter. That's yeah. it. Because su- we summertime's like November yeah. to April for you, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, we went, we went during your summer. So we were there from uh, October to like March, April. Yeah. So yeah. Not, not the right season. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, that's definitely our summer. But yeah, it, you kind of have to take the cold, which is unfortunate. But oh, we're used to that. from England. We love the cold. It's fine. You know, we don't love it. We're just used to it. We're just used to the cold. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, this has been amazing, Zendi. You've inspired us so much to do more free diving and being underwater more, even though England is not the best for it. We'll come. We're coming. We're going to come. We're going to come to South Africa again. We'll go, right? Yeah. Well, we, we was planning to come in February, but we've since had to change our plans. Yeah. But, in a few um, years, we'll come time. back. It's not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. I mean, you're probably traveling a lot. But Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I'm actually going to be somewhere in your side of the world around June next year. Oh. And I'm, so I'm looking at being in the UK for a month. So again, just doing ocean work, uh, ocean talks. So we will find each other. Someone else said Scotland. So I'll be in the hizze of your hizze. Um, so hopefully catch a coffee somewhere. Amazing. That for would sure. be, we'd love that. We would love it. We'll go d- diving somewhere. In Cornwall. Cornwall <gasps> oh, is nice. Yeah, we'll do that. Yeah. It's a lot of Somewhere cold, of seaweed. Of yeah. it's, it's all cold here. It's yeah, it's not going to be warm. It's <laughs> not going to be warm. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. It's been amazing. I'm so glad you could finally make it work. Thank yeah. you. Thank for you. Sure. Yeah, thanks so much for coming. Hey, we hope you enjoyed this episode with Zandi. If you want to see more from her, then please check out the description where you can find links to her social channels. You can also watch our new documentary on the Water Bear platform. If you like the podcast, then please show us some appreciation and leave us a review. And you can also rate us on Spotify. That all really, really helps for us. If you want to check out anything else that we get up to at Tide, 
then please head over to our social channels on Instagram and Facebook, or you can check out our website, tidewatersports.co.uk. Thanks for listening. See you there for the next one. Bye.